Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Is there anything else you think it would be a good thing to do out on the date? Yeah. What else? Getting married. <laughs> get married on your date? So you get out on the date and then you would get married? Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's pretty good. Um, what would be like the perfect end to the date? Like the, the ending of the date. What's the perfect end? Like having fun with it, everybody. Okay, having fun with everybody. <laughs> and oh, I had one other question for you. What's a, how old do you think you should be to go out on your first date? What's the right age to go out on your first date? To be 15. You're giving me a lot of logical and good answers, Parker. <laughs> 15 for your first date. And... Um, Okay, what, what, what type of qualities do you think a girl should have for you to go out on a date with them? Play? What? <laughs> Play? Any, any others? Dance? her to dance with everybody. <laughs> awesome. Is there anything else you want to just give me some, uh, some, some great advice from the dating guru that you are? Any other advice? To kiss all the girls. <laughs> <laughs> to kiss all the girls. Thank you, Parker. You really did a tremendous job. You answered all my questions. You did great. Can I have a high five? You're done, sir. Good job. Some truly great dating advice from my good friend Parker. Um, it wasn't wasn't my idea to interview Parker. It was actually my wife Jen's idea. She said, "You're talking about dating, right? You should really interview Parker." And I was like, "You know what? That that's a really fan, that's a really fantastic idea. I couldn't think of a better idea. We could have just done that actually for the whole sermon, maybe, and that would have been." He was giving me such good advice. Um, 
I just want to welcome you all here this morning. My name is Mark Lutz. I'm one of the two director of student ministries here at New Life. I help run Relevant Student Ministries, which is New Life's youth ministry. Our other youth director, his name is Alex DeRosa. He's not here this morning, um, but he's a really awesome guy. He focuses on senior high ministry. I focus on junior high ministry, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. And I'm just really excited to be here. I'm really excited to have all of you out here this morning for our second Sunday service here at New Life. If you're a first-time guest here, we're just so glad that you're here. We're excited that you're here. We have prepared for you to be here. I don't, I'm not going to do this to you, but at junior high youth group, I make everybody clap for everyone who's a first-time guest. There's like five kids who aren't clapping each week, and my job is to embarrass children. It's not my job to embarrass adults, so I'm not going to embarrass you, but we're just really, really glad that you're here. We're glad that you came out to join us. I, well, I tell this to my students all the time. We've prepared for you. It's even more true now. We've prepared for you to be here. We've been praying for you. Um, we've been praying for our first-time guests today. We've prepared the coffee for you. we got everything ready for you in expectation of you being here. So I hope that you're enjoying just a welcoming and an awesome environment here at New Life, and we're just really, really glad that you're here. We started a new series last week called Singleness, Dating, Marriage, and Beyond. And the beyond is not like Bed Bath and Beyond where we sell bed and bath and overpriced things from infomercials. Beyond means that we, uh, we're going to be talking about parenting children and, and some other things uh, like that here in the future. But this is week two. Last week, Pastor Chris came with an awesome message about how to live single as a believer in Jesus Christ. And this week, I'm here to talk a little bit about what it means to date and what it means to have principles of Christian dating. And so we do have a take-home point today. Our take-home point will be right up here. Our take-home point is this. There it is. Dating must be intentional and God-honoring. Dating must be intentional and God-honoring. And if you're a first-time guest, you don't know what the take-home point is. It's the one thing that we would like for you to remember and take home and live out in the upcoming week. If you forget everything else I say today, I just hope that you will remember that, that dating must be intentional and God-honoring. That's the one thing that we would like for you to remember. Pastor Chris came to me several months ago and asked if I would like to preach or just take some time in this series, and I said, yeah, definitely, I would love to. And so I started sitting down, and, and he said, well, we'd like you to preach about dating. And I said, well, that makes sense. Out of all the staff members who do preach here at New Life, I have been dating the most recently. And so I've only been married for a little over a year, so I've been dating the most recently. That made sense. But when I sat down to put pen to paper or fingers to keys, it really, I, I lost a lot of confidence because I began thinking about my target audience, which is people who are dating. And then I thought about, man, when I was dating, I did not want to take advice about how I should date from anybody who was married. Nobody, especially a newly married person. Newly married people forget everything about dating. They, they remember nothing. In your first year of marriage, you, you have no clue. It's like you said your vows, and at that point, you just deleted everything in your memory that was about dating. You've just forgotten everything. I remember distinctly being in college, and I went to Geneva, so ring by spring was a very big thing. And so for that reason, I had some friends who were married before we graduated, and I remember like them trying to give, they're like newly married, and they're trying to give me dating advice. And I'm like, what are you 
get away from me. I don't want to hear what you have to say. You're married. You forgot what it is like to date. You don't remember anymore. Remember that period of your life called engagement? You forgot everything about dating during that period of life. And so I was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to say. People aren't going to want to hear from me. And so I thought, you know what? I'm married, so I'll flip it around. I'll talk about how you should always be dating. Even after you're married, you should continue to date your husband or wife. And I thought, oh, that would be awesome. And then it occurred to me that I have been married for a little over a year and thus know nothing about being married, almost nothing, nil, zip, zilch, nothing. And so, I mean, I'm like in the Christmas stage of marriage right now. Yeah, everything is just gifts and happiness and joy and glitter and tinsel in my life. So like, would, would someone who's been married even like... a you know, a year longer than me, they don't want to hear what I have to say about how you should be dating your spouse while you're married. And so I was like, man, the only thing I can think of is if someone who was in school for youth ministry came in here and tried to coach me and tell me how to run relevant, I just wouldn't value their opinion because they don't have any experience. I wouldn't care about what they had to say. I would say, well, why don't you get some time in the trenches first and then maybe I'll listen to you. And so from all that experience, it's like, man, I just really don't know what to do. And so I did what every person, you know, good Christian person would do when preparing a sermon that you don't know how to prepare. And that is I Googled it. And so when I Googled it, I came up with a sermon. And so I watched the sermon and then I robbed 50% of my sermon from that person. And so if you have any issue with the things that I'm preaching about or I'm talking about today, feel free to just go ahead and tweet your displeasure to at Pastor Mark. It'll send everything directly to Mark Driscoll and away from me. Um, <laughs> and he just resigned from his church this week, so I'm sure that he would love getting angry tweets on top of that. I'm sure that would make him happy. But seriously, I did, at the end of our message today, I did take um, the eight principles of dating and some of the questions for guys and girls um, from that sermon because it was, it was just really, really solid stuff. And after I watched it, man, it just made me think about my marriage and my life. And I was like, man, these are, these are really good things. So I started, I uh, wanted to prepare the beginning of my message, and so I started going to the Word, and I looked at God's Word, and I said, what does this have to say about dating? And then I remembered, not much at all. Uh, it doesn't have a whole lot to say, but it has a lot to say about marriage. It has a lot to say about sexual immorality between men and women. But when it came to the Bible and dating, there just wasn't a lot there. And here's the reason for it. The reason for it is because people didn't date when the Bible was written. Arranged marriages were the way to go. So you didn't date. You just were given away in marriage or somebody was given to you so you could marry them. You might have just met them that day. I don't really know how it went. I, I, I don't really know. But anyway, they had arranged marriages. So dating really wasn't a hot topic. And so there really wasn't a lot of guidance on something that didn't exist. But when I looked at the word, I came across this story. And I had known it, but it just... It spoke to me in a new way, and it's the story of Ruth and Boaz, and I'm a storyteller. When I speak and I say to the youth group kids, I tell stories. It's my favorite thing to do, and so I'm going to share with you the story of Ruth and Boaz, and we're going to go through the entire book of Ruth this morning, but don't worry. We're not going to read it. I'm not that good at reading out loud. I'm just going to tell you a lot of stories. We're going to read tiny little pieces of it. And so the story of Ruth begins really sad. It's a sad beginning. So Ruth is a Moabite, and she's been living in her homeland, and her husband is from a different land. And so her and her husband, and then she has a sister-in-law and brother-in-law, and then a father-in-law and mother-in-law. None of them have any kids, so it's just them. Okay, and so as they're kind of living together, suddenly Ruth's father-in-law dies, her brother-in-law dies, and then her husband dies. So all three of them, all three men that were in the family unit have passed away. 
And if you don't know anything about women in the time in which the story of Ruth is happening or just in the biblical time, is women didn't really have, definitely did not have the rights and the abilities that they have today in our culture and in our time. And so for that reason, if you were a woman and you were a widow, you really didn't have a lot of options in terms of making ends meet. You really didn't have a lot of options in terms of taking care of yourself and your loved ones. And so you could really do this. You could scavenge, you could steal, you could beg, or you could sell your own body. Those were really your four options. You didn't have many other options other than those four things. So Ruth's mother-in-law knows this. And so she goes to Ruth and she goes to Ruth's sister-in-law and says, why don't you leave me and go back to the families that you came from? Seek safety in the houses of your parents, in your father's house, and then I just want you to look uh, for another man to marry because I have no more sons. I'm not going to be giving you any more sons. You can't marry any of my kids. I can't carry on the family name in any way. There's no future for you here. You'll just live as a widow. But I myself, I'm going to leave and I'm going to adventure back to my homeland And it's a long adventure. I'm going to live there for the rest of my days as a widow. And so Ruth and the sister-in-law maybe think it over. The sister-in-law takes her up on the offer, but Ruth won't. Ruth has decided to be tied to her mother-in-law and to leave with her and go to a land not only where she will be a widow, but also a land of foreigners where she will be a foreigner, where she will not know anybody, a land with customs and, and faith and religion, everything that is foreign to her. She won't know anything about it, but she's decided to take the long journey back. And that's really where our story about dating picks up. Because she gets back and she has those four options of what she wants to do to make ends meet, and she chooses to scavenge. And so in that time, what scavenging, what I mean by that is, is that different landowners in their fields would leave sections, corners or something, edges of their crops for people who were destitute or widows to come along and take grain from it so that they could have a way to live. And so Ruth decided that she would go to these fields and begin taking the, the, the less, the, the junky sort of grain from the edges and corners of the fields and bring it back to her mother-in-law so that they would be able to live. And so one day she finds herself walking behind the men and evidently Ruth was pretty attractive. I guess the Bible is, doesn't, you know, they don't give you descriptors, but there was a good amount of fear that Ruth, because of how attractive she was, would be abused and taken advantage of by the men in the fields. So there is some sort of concern with that. So she's doing a dangerous job, and while she is doing it, um, the owner of the field comes out, and Ruth catches his eye. He's a man named Boaz. And so Boaz comes out, and he sees Ruth, and he grabs one of his guys, and he says, hey, tell me about Ruth. And he finds out that not only is Ruth available, she's a widow, but on top of that, Ruth is a woman of great character. She's godly. She sacrificed a lot on behalf of her mother-in-law. And so this really sparks Boaz's interest. And now we're going to stop at four sections in the story to give you guys just a little pointers on insights that I think are important for dating. This is the first one. And the first insight is for you ladies. Um, If you really want to find a man who's going to be worth your time and worth his salt, it will be far more productive for you to show integrity, hard work, and sacrifice. It's far better for you to show godly character. Godly character will take you much further in finding a man who's good to you and worth his time than anything else that you can do. That's the most valuable thing because although Ruth 
caught the eye of Boaz, it was because of her character, her godly character, her self-sacrificing ways, and her hardworking attitude that causes Boaz to then pursue her. And guys, listen to this. You're going to get the short end of the stick today. Ladies, you're going to get off a little bit easier. Because we're going to be talking about godly character just a little bit with you. But guys, although marriage may be a partnership, dating is pretty one-sided. It pretty much just falls on you. You're responsible for it. So ladies, you're going to get some insights. Guys, you're going to get the four Ps. And the first of those Ps is pursuit. And what I mean by that is, guys, times have not changed that much. Times are not completely different. If you find a girl that you like, you better get up off your tail end and pursue her and try to woo her. She should not be pursuing you. She should not be asking your lame butt out on a date. You should be pursuing her. If you like her, get used to rejection. It's part of every true man's life, okay? Go and ask her out on a date. You need to be pursuing her. Right after Boaz takes some time to talk to his servant about Ruth, he takes a moment to pull Ruth off to the side and have a quick conversation about there with her. And actually, we find this in Ruth chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says this, Boaz went over to Ruth, went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. The second P for guys is to protect. We're first tasked with pursuit. The next is to protect. Boaz set parameters out there. He calls her aside and said, listen, we have water for you so you won't be dehydrated. I also have gone out of my way to make sure that the guys in my field will not treat you roughly or harshly. And so you're safe coming to harvest in my field. Don't go anyplace else. Guys, the next task for us is to protect the lady, the woman, the girl that we're with. You protect, in fact, you protect all women, but specifically the person that you're with, you are, while you're dating them, you are to protect them. She ought to feel safe with you. Ladies, if you're dating somebody and you don't feel safe with him, what are you doing with him? Get away from him. He is a child. You don't want to date a child. If you do not feel safe with him, get away from him. Okay, you should be with someone who makes you feel protected. And here's the other thing, ladies, just a little insight. Let him protect you. Please don't be so bullheaded that you refuse. It has nothing to do with one gender being better than the other. It just has to do with the fact that in the nature of men, God has given us the command to then go and protect. So we are to protect. Please, please, if you have a guy in your life who desires to protect you, Please allow him to make you feel safe. After this, Boaz takes some time, and that same exact day, Ruth comes in from the field, and he has this second conversation with her in Ruth 2, 14 to 16. It says, at mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. 
When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. Our third P is provide. We're tasked to pursue, protect, and then provide. Let me just open this up a little bit for you so you understand what provide means. For me, that means that whenever I was dating Jen before we got married and merged bank accounts and I got a certain amount of money every week I could put in my wallet and that was it, before any of those things happened, <laughs> I don't control the money in our house. If I did, we wouldn't have any. Before, before any of those things happened, when we were dating, that meant that when I didn't have a job after college and we got a blizzard, I went out to a local area and I offered to shovel roofs all day to get the snow off their roofs to make enough money to be able to take us out on dates. It meant that although she was in a sorority and I hated sororities, I helped her pay her dues when she didn't have the money to pay into the sorority. It meant that whenever we went out, although she lived an hour away from me at college, I always drove. I always made the point of driving. It meant that I always went up. It meant that when I was there, I drove around even when gas was $400,000 a gallon. It meant that I always did that. It meant that every date that we went out on, every meal that we had, every movie that we saw, every activity that we went and did, I paid for it. I paid for it because I wanted to show her very clearly that while we were dating, that my relationship with her would always be more important to me than money was to me. And so girls, it is okay for you to expect the guy to pay for you. It is okay for you to expect him to pay for you every single time. It's okay to go on the first date, take some emergency money, unless you find out he's a creep and you need to get away, okay? But it's okay to go and be like, I don't have any money. Looks like you're paying for the movie tickets. If he comes along and he says, well, I got mine, but shouldn't you pay for yours? Do not go out with him again. He's awful. Why are you dating him? He has no desire to provide for you. He cares more about the money that's in his pocket and the video game that he's going to go buy than he cares about his relationship with you. Get away from him. Do not continue to go out with him. Our story of Ruth and Boaz in this sort of epic journey continues as Boaz decides after he's met Ruth, after he's spoken to her, that he desires to marry her. The problem is in this time, he can't just go out and, and just propose. Okay, so in this time and in this place, if there was somebody who could redeem her, meaning there was somebody that was the closest person to her deceased husband in bloodline, that he had the chance to buy her property, he had the chance to marry her, and to give her children to carry on the family line. So Boaz had to go out to the front of the town or the, the town gate, and he had to go before the elders and ask this guy if he had any intention of redeeming her. And he says, no, I don't. We pick this up in Ruth chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. It says this. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, you are witnesses that today I have bought from Noemi all the property of Elmulchek, Kilion, and Milon. I'm not good with names. And with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Milon, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name and her dead husband, carry on the name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. 
So after all of this, Boaz goes to the city gate to take the opportunity to announce to everybody that he intends to redeem and marry Ruth. The fourth and final P in today's message is proclaim. After we have pursued, protected, and provided, we are to proclaim. Guys, that means that you should be so obsessed with the girl that you're in this dating relationship with that your friends are like, dude, shut up about this girl. I'm sick and tired of hearing about her. You won't quit talking about her because you're just so obsessed with how awesome she is. You should be willing to proclaim her to anybody who's willing to hear it. Girls, if you're dating a guy that won't proclaim you, what are you doing with him? If he isn't so obsessed with you and excited about you and so into cherishing you that he wants to announce it to the world, what are you doing with him? You better believe that ever given the opportunity, I will proclaim my wife. I'll tell you how beautiful and amazing and brilliant and incredibly funny and godly she is. You better believe that I'll take every opportunity to brag about my wife because she is way more awesome than I am, significantly more cool than me. And I'm so lucky to have her. And so our fourth and final P is this. Don't be with someone who's not willing to proclaim you. Because you're a cherished daughter of the creator. And if he can't see that when he's dating you, man, he's just not going to see it. So be with someone who's willing to proclaim you. And at the end of this, man, we come back to all four of the P's. To pursue, to protect, to provide, and to proclaim. And guys, it's, ladies, let me just be clear. It is not a three out of a four or a 50-50 deal. It's not like, oh, he does three of these, but he certainly doesn't protect me. It's not like, well, you know, he pursued me and he talks about me a lot, but he doesn't protect me or provide for me at all. It's a four out of four deal. If you want a healthy Christian relationship with someone who's actually a man and you don't just want to date boys in man bodies, then I would just suggest to you that you search for someone to be a four out of four. Guys, I'm just saying this right now, man. We're tasked with living this out. It's not an easy task. We're tasked with continually living out the four Ps. Ladies, you get an equally, if not harder task than that. And that is that you're commanded to have godly character. To have godly character and to wait upon somebody who is willing to pursue, protect, provide, and proclaim you. And right now, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to make a quick transition because I really do believe that these principles of Christian dating that I read about, I watched in this sermon, man, they were really good. And so I have eight principles that I think are just really great principles to have in your life if you're going to pursue Christian relationships and dating. They're short. The first one is this. Maximize your effectiveness while you're single. You can find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We preached about it last week. We're going to preach about it again next week. But maximize your effectiveness while you're single. If you're single in here, you have free time. You don't think you do, but there's no one who's single who's actually busy. Maybe if you're single and you're raising kids, you might be busy then. But you're, if you're single, you're not actually busy. You're just pretending to be busy. Okay? You're, you're, you're entirely, you can be completely selfish with your time and your energy. And I can say that because I'm married. 
okay? And I know I don't even have kids yet, and I don't have any time. I'm like, what happened to it? It all left. I had evenings or something, and they're gone now because I'm married. So if you're single, maximize your effectiveness while you're single. Get involved in our children's ministry. Get involved with leading a life group for people your age or just multi-generational. Please get involved in some way here at New Life or in a ministry somewhere. Serve at a food kitchen in Butler. Get involved someplace where you can be maximizing your effectiveness and steer clear of the syndrome of, well, I'm going to spend all my time single trying not to be single. Because that's what we get in the habit of. I'm going to spend all my time while I'm single trying not to be single. That's not maximizing your effectiveness. That's called the worst quality in a person. It's called desperation. Okay? So don't spend all your time single trying not to be single. Maximize your effectiveness. Number two is do not pursue a serious relationship until you're ready to get married. Now let me just give you what I don't mean by that. I do not mean don't go out on dates. My generation and everyone below me, this is lost on them. They think if we go out on one date or if we even talk at our locker, that means that we're going steady and you're not allowed to talk to anybody else of the opposite sex ever again in your entire life or you're cheating on me. That's not true. Go out on dates. I'm not saying don't go out and get coffee. Go out to a movie with somebody. I'm not saying going out and getting to know people is a bad thing. I'm just saying do not dive into a serious dating relationship until you're prepared to get married. It doesn't make any sense. It's going to cause a lot of pain. It's like going to Panera Bread, buying a sandwich, and deciding you're going to eat it three months later. That's stupid, because whenever you go to eat it, it's going to be rotten, and you're going to be really upset that you did that, okay? So don't pursue a serious dating relationship until you're ready to get married. Be reasonable with your expectations. Jesus is not still walking on earth in flesh and blood. That ended a couple thousand years ago. You will not find him, and if you did, he's not going to ask you out. Okay? He's not going out on a date with you. Okay? So forget it. We're all screwed up because we're humans. And so just as a heads up, like, you're not going to find Jesus. Have reasonable expectations. At the same time, girls, if you're dating somebody, and I don't know why because he's a jerk, and I come up to you and I ask, why are you dating him? You're like, oh, he asked me. That's not reasonable expectations. He has to be alive and able to talk to girls. That's your, you have two qualifications? Two? That's it. You got two? And guys, she's hot is not a reason to date. That's, that, that's even more ridiculous. You, you, you have one qualification. She has to be alive. She doesn't have to be able to speak. She, have, no, she doesn't have to talk at all. She just has to be alive. That's your only qualification. These are not good reasons for dating somebody. Raise the bar. Number four is do not date anyone who is not a Christian. If you are a Christian in here, this matters to you. If you're not, this doesn't, so just ignore me. But if you claim to be a Christian in here and you're pursuing dating relationships, stop pursuing people who claim not to be Christians. It's ridiculous. Stop doing it. I know there's all kinds of excuses. He's so nice. She's so great. We just fit together so well. When the rubber meets the road, after the dating has ended, the engagement is through, and you have to make real-life decisions as a married couple, he, is gonna, he or she is going to look at things inherently different than you are because you claim in the salvation and the saving grace of Jesus Christ, and they do not. Do not pursue a serious dating relationship with someone who's not a Christian if you are one. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says it best. It says, do not be unequally yoked with a non-believer. Number five is only date people who agree with you on gender roles and family. 
Let me explain what I mean by that. If you, say, you grew up in preschool and you really want someone to be a stay-at-home mom, but she really wants to pursue her career and has no intentions of doing that, you probably shouldn't pursue a serious dating relationship. That's going to be a major thing. If, if you just didn't, you had no brothers and sisters, you were an only child, you want to have 10 kids, and he hates kids and thinks they're gross, you probably should not pursue a serious dating relationship with this person. It's not going to go well. I'm not saying there's a right answer. I'm not saying one person should be home and one person should work. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying agree on these things, have conversations about these things before you pursue a serious dating relationship. Sixth is only invest in a dating relationship with someone that you're attracted to. Listen, she may look great, but if her laughs and shivers down your spine and you have to put a coat on and jam pencils in your ears, okay, you have to live with that forever. You don't get the choice of changing somebody's laugh at some point. She has that laugh. That's the one she's going to have. And so if you can't stand it and you can't be attracted to her when she laughs, well, either you're going to have a very, very serious marriage someday or, or, or things are not going to work out very well. And just let me give you this. Somebody out there thinks that laugh is adorable and precious and amazing. And every time she laughs, they're, like, they're just so happy that she laughed like that, okay? And so just, listen, only date people who you're genuinely attracted to. This one always applied to me. Crazy is only an attractive quality or only an attractive stage in life until you realize you're getting dragged into their crazy, okay? So if the person's just in a crazy stage in life and they're acting crazy, it's only attractive until you start getting drugged into the crazy and are surrounded by the crazy. Only date people who you're genuinely attracted to. Number seven is easy. It's guard your heart. Proverbs says this in 423, more than anything, guard and protect your heart because life flows from it. On date two, do not come home and ask your friends how to pop a question. On date three, do not come home with a wedding planner. You signed up for the knot online and you're getting ready to go. Make all your wedding plans. You got a timeline. You got a book. Everything's ready to go. Do not do that. Guard your heart. Take it slow. Go out on some dates. Get to know the person before you're committed to some really serious dating relationship with them. Get to know them a little bit. Guard your heart. And number eight is use technology wisely. Just be smart about the technology that you use. There's nothing sinful about using dating websites. Christian mingles all over the place right now. There's nothing sinful about using those things, okay? But just be shrewd and wise about it. Just be careful. Be careful of what you post online, the people that you meet, and where you meet them. Just be very careful about the way you go about that. To close today's message, this morning's message, I just want to go through a couple of quick questions for guys and then some quick questions for girls. I think they're really important things to ask just to get our minds in check and see where we are. For guys, it's this. Are you overlooking good women? Are there women in front of you that you perceive have past baggage that you don't want to deal with or something else? You're overlooking godly, awesome women who are right in front of you for some reason. Um, are you honoring her? First Timothy 5 says, honor women in Jesus Christ as our sisters. So we ought to honor women as though they are our sisters if we call ourselves Christians. Are you honoring her? Are you putting her in a place of honor in your life? Is she modest? Is she modest? The single most attractive quality I had whenever I started dating Jen was that she dressed modestly. Well, she was beautiful, but she dressed modestly. 
If you're pursuing someone who does not dress at all modestly, the, the sad part is it's really probably a significant attention issue. And nine times out of ten, it's going to end very, very badly. Will she follow your leadership? I'm not asking will she be subjected to your every whim and your will. I'm asking will she follow your leadership? You're to be the leader of your household someday. Will she follow your leadership? And maybe a better question is for men in our culture, are you worth following? Are you exhibiting leadership inside your own personal life that's worth following at all? Does she have godly character? Proverbs 31 outlines a bunch of qualities of women of godly character. If you go out with her on a date and then you flip to Proverbs 31 and read through it and you're like, man, none of these things match up with what I saw today, flee, get away from her. Can you provide for her the lifestyle that she expects? It seems like, oh, we shouldn't talk about money. But seriously, if she comes from affluence and that's what she wants for the future of her life and you just want to make enough money to move to California and surf and that's all that you care about and you eat ramen noodles forever, then just heads up, it's not going to go well. It's going to be awful. Can you provide for her the lifestyle she expects? Is she like the negative women from Proverbs? Solomon outlines all of these qualities of negative women that you should flee from in Proverbs. Does she exhibit those negative qualities? Do you believe that dating is a, plant, a chance to play Jesus? You are not her savior. You cannot change her. The Holy Spirit can do that. Jesus can save her. You can't do it. Forget it. If you're into savior dating, check your pride. You're still a boy. Do not pursue serious dating relationships until you get that figured out. Some questions for women. Does he pursue, protect, provide, and proclaim you? Yeah, that comes full circle. Does he do those things? Because if he doesn't do those things, you just don't want to spend your time with him. It's a four out of four deal. Is he tough enough to make it through the tough times? He has to be tougher than just the ability to protect you physically. He has to have the ability when you guys are just at your throats at each other, you just really oh, you hate each other. You have to, he has to be able to make it through those times as well. You don't want someone who just throws in the flag and everything in his life. Is he considerate and gentle with you? Does he just really like to yell at you? Does he like taking out all of his aggression on you? Has he hit you before, but he promised he would never hit you again? Heads up, if you're dating him and he's doing those things, he's on his best behavior. That's what dating is. You go out on dates and you're on your best behavior. If he's doing those things while you're dating him and you're seeing him a couple times a week, guess what? It's not going to get better when you're seeing him every day. It's just going to get worse. If he's not gentle and considerate with you, get rid of him. Will he be a good dad? If you want kids, does he take his time to seek out your cousins, your little cousins, your nephews, your nieces, and play with them and spend time with them? If you want kids, he doesn't do those things, probably doesn't want to be a dad. Is he a one-woman man? Because if he's not a one-woman man right now, when you get married, remember, he's on his best behavior now. He's not going to be a one-woman man then. If he has cheated on you but promises it will never happen again while you're still dating him, if he thinks that looking at pornography is an acceptable practice and he has no issue with it, if he's always texting girls that are just his friends, in the real world we call those backup plans, okay? If he's texting his girls that are just friends, he's not a one-woman man. He's still a child. Do not go out with him. Do you want your sons to be like him? 
Do you want your sons to be like him? Because what respect he shows you and the others around him, he may be great with you, but he's a huge jerk to everybody else. That's the type of thing that he's going to live into when he grows older. When he is an adult, he's going to disrespect everybody else if that's what this guy that you're dating does. Do you want your sons to be like him? And lastly, do you want your daughters to marry men like him? Do you want your daughters to marry men like him? Once again, he may be great with you, but man, he's just awful with everybody else around him. And then at like 14 years old, when your daughter brings home a boy, you'll be really surprised that he's a huge jerk. Well, no, no joke, he may be great with your daughter, but he's a huge jerk to everybody else, and she's dating him because that's what this guy you dated and then married is like. Does this guy hit you? If he hits you, guess what? Your daughter is not just going to stumble upon abusive relationships. She's going to actively pursue relationships with men who will beat her. She's going to actively pursue them. Do you want your daughters to be like them? Lastly, we just have, I have just two things that I just want to get in there because they're important. One of them is this, have no sexual contact before marriage. I know that's difficult in our culture, but be committed to it, live it out, and whoever you're pursuing an active and serious dating relationship with, make sure that you're upfront with them about it and that the two of you are on the same page. Do not have sexual contact before you are married. And the last one is this, always date. Always be dating. Always be dating. Right now, if you're looking for a dating relationship, live out the four Ps, expect the four Ps. If you're married, continue to date your spouse. Continue to date your husband or wife. Continue to pursue. Maybe the best advice my dad ever gave me, right after my brother and I got married, he pulled us both aside and said, Mark, Kyle, do not forget to keep dating her. Just because you're married doesn't mean that you get to quit dating her. And actually, I'm going to do something in this service I know I'm running over that we didn't do in any of the other services, and that is that I want to honor two people who are here with me this morning who have really lived out the four Ps and continuing to date into their marriage unlike anybody else. They've really lived these out in such a significant way. It's made such a huge impact on my life and the, the, the life of my wife. And I think they've truly lived these out in such a significant way. So if you don't mind, um, Dad and my, my father-in-law, Rich, would you guys stand up would you guys? I know that makes you horribly uncomfortable. I'm aware. Can we, can we give them a round of applause? Thank you, guys. Listen, it's because of how they actively pursued continuing to date their wives. It's because they instilled these concepts of to pursue, protect, provide, and proclaim in the lives of their son and in the lives of their daughter that's made our marriage so awesome. And, and listen, that's a success story. They aren't all like that, but man, it's just a beautiful thing when it is. Today, we're just going to finish and close with our commitment. And our commitment is this. I will pursue a healthy dating relationship this week. I will pursue a healthy dating relationship this week. We're going to get a chance to say this together in a moment. But I just want to know, I want you to know that no matter where you are in life, if you're single and preparing to date, you need to be actively living out, pursuing a healthy dating relationship. If you're dating right now, maybe you need to get rid of the person that you're with. Or maybe you've just been confirmation that you're with the right person. Or maybe you're married in here today. And maybe you've been married a year like me. Or maybe you've been married 50 years just remember to continue to pursue, protect, provide, and proclaim. Continue to date. Pray with me. Father God,
I thank you for this morning. And I thank you for this chance to, to come and speak about this incredibly important topic of dating. Father, I, I just pray right now that, uh, that the things that you've laid on people's hearts this morning would be lived out this week. Whatever that may be. Maybe it's a couple who's been married for 15 years that really just needs to go out on a date. And Father, maybe it's somebody in here who's in an abusive relationship and their eyes are open and they just need to get away. Father, whatever it is, I just pray and I ask that your spirit would help people to live these things out in this upcoming week. Amen.